Hey, um, before we get started, I want to ask you, if you will, to, to pray for something. Um, we've, uh, over the, we've been doing this for a few years now. You know, when we first started, um, I had a newborn, and Rob had a, a newborn, and uh, Tiffany didn't have any children, and so we had a lot more time. Tiffany and Chris didn't have any children, so we had a lot more time to to sort of invest and do things, and, and we were real young and naive and didn't know that one day we'd have children and not have quite as much free time. And um, so, uh, so we've been, we know that some of, for the future of the church and, and the future growth of the church, you know, we need um, some other, we need two things. For one, uh, collectively, um, we need to find a way to, to organize ourselves so that we can do some good things. Um, but secondly, we just need a, a warm body who will come alongside us as maybe a, a co-pastor or a pastor's, um, uh, I forget all the titles we tossed around, but something like that, just to begin to, to do some work, you know, some, some grunt work that, that we don't have the, the time to do, and I end up spending a lot of time, and so does Rob, or I do some administrative stuff. You'd be surprised at all the little things that have to happen, you know, just to, just to keep the ball rolling. And so we'd love somebody to do some of those things, because I find myself um, uh, preaching um, and, and doing some administrative tasks and not doing a whole lot of pastoring. And uh, not much of a pastor if you're not really pastoring people all that much. And so I want to do those things more. So anyway, all I want to say, I just want to ask you, if you have a note section on your phone where you list some prayers or, or anywhere where you list things that you may pray for, to just pray for that. Um, we, uh, we raised a little bit of money. Our partner churches have been willing to pay for a little bit of that position. And, um, and so, and, and Rob and I have decided to um, not take our huge salaries <laughs> so that... Um, so that we can, um, so that we can afford, you know, something like that, and somebody to come in and do some of that work, so that we can begin to focus on growth and pastoring and those kind of things. So anyway, pray for that person that we don't even know yet, and uh, and pray for that position just as we kind of develop that and seek to grow in that way. So can we start? I just want to pray for that. I just want to kick that off and, and pray for them. God, we know that that you have a, a big plan um, for the future of this church. And we know it is, it is that if, if, we, uh, if we do church according to your will, then people will come to know you and people will become Jesus followers and that we will grow. And, um, and so, God, we just pray that we would do things the way you call us to. Um, we, we have this belief that, 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 that we need to, to bring someone else in to help pastor and to help do some of those things. And, and so, God, we know that, that you know exactly who you want to bring here and exactly who you want to, to be in that role and to do that. And so, God, um, we just pray that, uh, that you would bring them to us and that it would be really clear to us who you sort of called to be in that role and to serve in that role. And, uh, God, we pray for their development even now. Um, and whatever they're doing in this time, we pray that you would use it to prepare them to be here. We thank you, God, that when we don't know all the pieces, that you are sovereign, you are in total control, and you have all things under your hand, and so we thank you for that truth. Um, bless us this morning, we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, so it looks great in here, right? It looks like Christmas. The best thing about, uh, one of the great things about being here is that uh, the, cert- the place gets decorated and we didn't have to do any of it, all right? So that's pretty nice. Um, it, uh, so yeah, I'd tell them thank you, you know, just for how good it looks in here. It's just a few people over on the Rio Vista side and they did a lot of work in here, so. Um, but I-, I love Christmas. I've got on Christmas socks. You don't know it, but I've worn Christmas socks every day since Thanksgiving, and uh, so I love, uh, I like Christmas. I got on some uh, Christmas underpants. 
Um, I'll just leave that to your imagination. Everything Christmas, right? Uh, I love Christmas. Jess has turned me into someone who just absolutely loves Christmas. Uh, I watched a Lifetime Christmas movie. Something about this time of year makes me do things I wouldn't normally do. Um, I actually enjoyed it. That was another thing. Uh, It's been a year of firsts. Molly sat on Santa's lap for the first time this year. And so that was pretty fun. She told Santa what she wanted. She wants a baby doll that poops and pees. She has said that to every single Santa that she's seen. I'm waiting for her to tell a Santa, you already know what I want. I told you at the mall, you know. Um, But she knows what she wants. She says the same thing every time. So that's been a lot of fun. There's a guy that says something about Christmas. His name's Dean Williman. He wrote a book and he said this. He said, Christmas is a delightful disruption of the way things normally go. Man, I kind of like that. Um, even now, Christmas is like a disruption. It's like even though I've got all these things to do, you know, and the days are the same, sometimes at night we just get in the car and ride around and look at Christmas lights. You know, it's just kind of this fun disruption from the norm. Um, he talks about it in terms of uh, these shepherds were all sitting out in this field, and they're all sitting out there doing their normal thing, and next thing you know, the heavens light up, and there are angels everywhere, and they're telling them about Jesus. I mean, that's a, uh, a disruption like they had never seen before. I just love the way that he talks about Christmas like that. Let me tell you a little secret that I hope is, is not a secret to many. But the same joy that you feel at Christmas, you can feel in January too. Isn't January like the day? It's cold, it, it's dark early, Christmas is past, and, and it's not quite yet Mardi Gras. There's really nothing going on. But you can feel the same joy in January. You can feel the same joy in August. I went to a conference. There was this guy, and, and he was talking. There were people from all over the country. And he said, you know, you southern guys, it was a bunch of pastors. He said, you southern guys, you always like to brag about your humidity. And we do, right? right? It's a badge of honor to be able to withstand southern humidity. Um, but even in the midst of August and in all the humidity, and if you're in school, going back to school, and if you're a parent, doing your kids' homework, or all those things that come with August, even in August, you can have the same joy. And whether you're sick, or whether you're poor, whether you just feel temporarily poor, in all those times, you can have the same joy. And that's what I think, that's one of the greatest joys of Scripture, is that reality. So check this out. I identified three things throughout Luke chapter 1 and 2. When we start talking about Christmas, I'm always thinking, how can we talk about Christmas in a way that we haven't done it for the past 2,000 years? You know, The story doesn't change, but, but what's sort of a new angle that just lets us think a little fresh? So I start looking through Luke chapter 1 and 2, and I'm looking through a few different things, and I'm saying, what are a few things that, that maybe we don't talk about as much? And, uh, and so I, I kind of went through, and I was like, here are three things that stick out to me that I think uh, is so uh, evident in the Christmas story. Story. And so it's love and joy and peace. And it turns out we talk about those every year. Uh, but, but when you read through these stories, man, you see these things so incredibly clear. We talked about love last week. We'll talk about joy this week. And I think you'll find it interesting how many places in the story you talk about joy. So turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Let me tell you something about being a follower of Christ. If you're a follower of Christ, you can... So you can, and that's great news, you can and you must be full of joy. You must. You can and you must be set free from long-term depression, from apathy, 
from sadness, from dissatisfaction. Not just that you can be free from that, but you must be free from that. We'll jump through some of that. It's pretty interesting. But in Luke chapter 1, here's what we're going to do. We're not going to read the whole chapter. We're just going to sort of bounce around in here and find all the places that they talk about joy. All right? So Luke chapter 1, verse 11. Let's jump in there. Luke chapter 1, verse 11. You got this guy, Zechariah. An angel appears to him. Here we go. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. Remember, every time someone sees an angel, scares them to death, right? Sees the angel, gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, the same thing he always has to say, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. Uh, can, before, we, before we move on, we're going to move on and then come back. Before we move on, can I, can I tell you something uh, that's pretty interesting? Let, let's note one thing. You can be joyful and delightful even without alcohol. How about that? You will never take wine or fermented drink. If you're only fun to be around after you've been drinking, you're doing life wrong, okay? You can be fun all the time. Um, But anyway, I find this pretty interesting. Here's what the angel tells him. says, you're going to have a son, and he's going to be a joy to you. Now, for for everyone that has a son, are all your sons always a joy to you? I think that is uh, is a pretty interesting statement. Uh, he, you're going to have a son. He's going to be a joy to you. And, and Zechariah apparently was already an uncle or something and had close proximity to boys. And so he doubted that he was going to have a son that was going to be a total joy to him. And so what the angel says to him in, in verse 19, the angel says, uh, I am Gabriel. Uh, I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And then he says, and now you'll be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. I think uh, if the angel was less formal, it would have said, are you kidding me? I'm an angel. An angel appears before you and tells you something's going to happen. You can probably believe that it's going to happen. But he doesn't believe that it's going to happen. And so so he's mute. So he he doesn't get to speak again until the baby's born. His wife probably loved it. But she did get pregnant. And not only did his wife get pregnant, but her cousin got pregnant too. Maybe you've heard of her cousin. Her name's Mary. Um, she's featured in many gardens around the city, like a little statue of her. Um, Mary gets pregnant. Um, she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth. And as soon as she shows up and she stands at the door and she calls out to her cousin and she says her name, um, this is what Elizabeth says about that first encounter when she first sees her. Verse 44. She says, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, here's the joy again, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill His promises to her. And because uh, I, I know what women do when they get together, this is what I think she really said, really loudly so that her husband could hear. She said something like this, Good thing you believed, because Blindy over there did not believe, and uh, did I say he couldn't speak? He can't see? Well, yeah, anyway, I said blindy. It was a bad joke. Okay. Anyway, um, because my husband over there didn't believe. And uh, that was such a good joke, too. I just came up with it this morning. Um, anyway, I should read my Bible more. Anyway, so now, 
now we've got all kinds of problems and I'm doing all the chores for the next month because he didn't believe. That's what I think she said. I think she took every opportunity to take a dig at her husband there. But there we go. That's, that's joy number two that you see in this passage. It's when the pregnant girls get together. Joy number three. This is when Elizabeth's baby is born. When it was time, this is verse 57. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy. And what they do? And they shared her joy. This is the one that I think is probably most challenging for us, and that is the idea of having joy when good things happen to other people. And that's what happens in this piece. And then the last piece we see, chapter 2, verse 9. Chapter 2, verse 9. This is the biggest one here. This is the one that, that you've heard a lot. It says, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and yet again they were terrified. This is the shepherds. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Let's read 11 and 12 just for kicks because it's pretty fun stuff. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And so the culmination of this joy in the Jesus story is that Jesus has come. The big theme of today, if I can just sort of spoil the ending while you're still awake, okay? The big theme of today is that Jesus brings joy. That's the idea. And that's why Christmas is so joyful, because Jesus brings joy. God, we thank you that you bring joy. And God, we pray that today would just be all about just relishing in that joy. Amen. Um, so before we jump into all the hows, uh, here's what I want to say. What is joy? Can any of you guys define joy? Like, what's the difference between joy and happiness? And what do we mean when we say joy? People always say joy when they sort of want to sound like formal or biblical, but what does joy actually mean? Like, what's the difference between just being happy for a minute and having some joy? I did a whole lot of, of Greek study and tried to reinvent the wheel to figure out what's the difference. And I studied all the different words and uh, all the places that they use joy and all the places that Luke uses joy and all the places that he uses happiness. And here's what I find after all that study. They just use joy and happiness interchangeably all throughout. And the same Greek word he uses for joy and happiness, but he always uses them in a little different context. And I wish I was smart enough to figure this out on my own, but I sort of dug through some resources. And, uh, and, and here, here's the culmination of all that study. I'll save you the, like the two wasted hours, okay? Here's the culmination of all that study. Here's what it looks like very clearly to me. Happiness is a short-term joy, and it's usually based on our circumstance. Something, I found $20 in my pocket. Man, that was great. I'm really happy. Um, happiness, short-term joy based on circumstance. But joy... Joy is like a richer, long-term, ever-present happiness. That's the difference. Very, very similar in in sort of the way that they make us feel. But joy is richer, it's long-term, and it's always present. So does that mean that if you have joy, that, that, that if you don't live like Buddy the Elf, then you don't have like Christmas joy? Buddy the Elf, my favorite line. We elves try to stick to the four main food groups. Candy, candy canes, candy corns, and syrup. If you don't have that sort of mentality, does that mean, because if happiness and joy are so related, if you don't act like that, does that mean you don't have godly joy? I think of it like this. 
And, and, and I, I don't know if Jess hates when I say this, but I just, it's just true for me, okay? But um, I was so happy when my daughter was born. I was so happy. And it was so disgusting, right? Childbirth is beautiful, and I was so happy, and it's also so gross, you know? And so I, was, I, I had a lot of emotions. And so I was really happy, but you didn't see it on my face. You know what I mean? And happiness doesn't always look like a big beaming smile. But trust me, I was pretty happy. I was happy uh, a few years ago when, uh, this a few years ago, but a friend of mine got a job that I interviewed for, and then I really, really wanted. And he got the job, and, and, but you know what? I just found myself really happy for him. He worked really hard to get it. Did I think that I should have gotten it? Yeah, I thought I should have gotten it. I really wanted to get it. Um, so I was pretty bummed about it for me, um, but I was just genuinely happy for him. Now, did I walk around super excited and tell everybody the news that he got the job? I mean, no, it wasn't like that, but I was genuinely really happy for him. See, the idea is happiness is not a personality, just like joy is not a, a personality. Happiness is a state of emotion, and joy is a state of being. It's not that I, I just walk around looking like, like I'm just bouncing, right? It's not like that. that that's just emotion. Uh, joy is, is a real state of being. It just sort of underlines the emotion that comes out. Uh, here's what I'd say. You can be just who you are. You can be just who God created you to be. And you can also be joyful. Um, <clears throat> I'll give you another example. Uh, Skyler uh, got engaged this past weekend. And so if you follow him on Facebook, you saw all that stuff. Um, so he got engaged. And, and you know what I told him? The first time he called to say, hey, I'm, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to uh, get engaged, I think he only called me because I give him such a hard time for never telling me anything. So he wanted to make sure that he called and told me he was, he was going to get engaged. And so the first thing that I said to him was this great brother, big brother advice. The first thing I said was, um, don't get your hopes up. She's probably going to say no. Just because it just seemed like a lot of fun to say. And uh, look, I followed it up with real big brother, good stuff, good advice. But uh, joy, joy is not losing your ability to make fun of your sibling. That's fun. That's just always fun. Joy is not, is not saying something sort of false in that sense. But, but there is some joy there. Really, genuinely, I was really happy for it. Um, you know, he, there's some duds out there, and you never know what you're going to get when somebody in your family gets married. And so, uh, no, really, I, I was just really happy for him. I was happy for her, happy to invite her into our family. I mean, there was a lot of joy there, but it, it didn't have to manifest itself in me just doing jumping jacks. I just wanted to get the real clear picture that having joy is different from just being bubbly, Right? I mean, the idea of joy is that you have this underlying happiness. Joy, long-term, rich, deep, ever-present happiness. And Scripture seems to indicate that this kind of joy is required. Check this out. In Hebrews 13, he's talking to pastors. And here's what he says. He says, pastors, um, uh, obey your leaders and submit to them and, uh, so, that your, so that your leaders can keep watch over you. And the second half of the verse says this. Talking to pastors, and he says... Uh, uh, submit to them so that they can do their work with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. See, there's this passage, Hebrews thirteen seventeen, and what he's saying there is, he says, uh, let your pastors do their work with joy. Because if they can't do it with joy, it's of no good to any of us. 
if all I do as a pastor is labor about how you don't do anything and, and, and I do all this work and I'm on the, working on the weekends, if I hate the whole thing, it says it's of no joy to you. Even if I can get up here and preach, even if I can fake it and you never know, and even if we, even if we feed the hungry and, uh, and, and, and clothe the poor, even if we do all those things, it's, it's of no good to any of us if we don't find some joy in it. And for any of us that would lead people in any capacity, or any of us that would serve people in any capacity, joy is required. If you, if you clothe the poor, but you hate every moment of it, and you really can't stand the poor, and you loathe the whole reason why they are where they are, you haven't done anything good for them. You just put a temporary band-aid, but you probably drove them further from where they want to be. Man, absolutely about serving Jesus is about doing it with joy. Joy is available to us, which is pretty exciting. Joy is required of us, but the question is, how do we get there? Nobody walks around saying, you know what I want to be? I just want to be depressed. You know what I want to be? I want to hate life and always complain. Nobody says that, but yet some people find themselves there. So how do we get from knowing that it's available to actually getting there? I spent this past week in, in Phoenix, and uh, there was one night where we got, we got done early, and you were supposed to go, go back to your room and prepare for a presentation. Instead, I rented a bike and biked through the canyon. And so um, it was, uh, I'm really sore for it, and my presentation suffered because of it, but it was a lot of fun. Um, but I, I get out there, and I don't have any idea where I'm going. And, uh, and I thought it was going to be more, um, more like um, less off-roady, you know what I mean? Like... You know, it was going to be more like their clear-cut paths, but it wasn't like that. It was really hard to do. Um, but anyway, so I get out there, and I ask. Some guy tells me, you can ride all along the ridge of the mountain, and you can see the whole city on both sides. And so I asked this guy, I'm like, you know, hey, how do you get to the ridge? You know, I can't really see how to get there. And he goes, you just go up. And I was like... I know, I know in theory I'm going to be traveling upwards, but, uh, and then he just rides away. You know, that's like his whole advice. And it's an empty mountain. There's not many people there, and that's, that's the only person that I get to ask. Um, but I think the idea is to tell someone you can be joyful and to just leave it there, there's not a whole lot of value there. If you don't know how to get there, it doesn't do you any good. This guy says, you just go up. I know I got to go up. I just need to know how to get there. I actually ended up walking through a whole bunch of bushes. I got scrapes all over my legs. It was really ugly. And then on the way back, I found the path. It was really pretty and nice and wide. But nonetheless, here's the idea. Uh, I'm just gonna, we're just going to dig through about three of these passages. And I'm going to show you uh, just here alone in this place some different ways that Jesus brings joy. Some different ways that we can find joy. All right, here you go. Verse 14. We already read it. Um, it's going to be up on the screen. But, um, but check this out. He will be a joy to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. This is what, uh, this is what the angel said to, uh, to Zechariah. He's talking about his son that's going to be born. And he says, he'll be a joy to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. Here's the idea. Um, you can have joy in, in circumstances. Okay? He, he's telling them, you're going to have a son. That's going to be a circumstance that's going to make you really happy. That's going to be an occasion that's going to bring you a whole lot of joy. And you can have joy in different circumstances, like at the birth of your child. Man, you, you can have joy in that. 
Sometimes I see people with children on the way and they're so wrapped up in the prep of it all, reading the books and buying the crib and, and then the, you know, all the other little pieces. Just like when people get married and, and it's supposed to be joyful and it just seems like it's torturing them to get to the day. Man, sometimes we take the most joyful things and turn them into the most belaboring, awful things that we can do. And we make ourselves miserable and all the people around us miserable. But there's an idea that you can have some joy in that stuff. That's sort of what he's indicating here. You can find joy in that. See, God desires that we slow down mentally and we be happy when joyful things happen. Oh, fine. We be happy when joyful things happen. Um, one of the most stressful things that our family does every year is take Christmas pictures. You know? Every year we try to take Christmas pictures, and it is so stressful. And a time that's supposed to be pointing towards a lot of joy just gives us a whole heck of a lot of stress. But the idea about being happy in these circumstances is called common grace. So you notice that I'm telling you, you can be joyful about things that Christians and non-Christians do alike. There's this thing that God extends to us called common grace. And it means that, uh, Scripture says it rains on the just and the unjust alike. Right? That means that whether you're a follower of Christ or not, there are just some things that you can be pretty excited about. And there are some things that you can find joy in. And so very simply, I just say to you, if you want to find some joy, uh, slow down and actually look for joy in the things that happen every day. Maybe like work. Don't belabor work so much like it's the most painful thing you've ever done. Right? Find some joy in work. There's some joy there somewhere. You could be poor. You could not have a job. Now, if, if you have a job and you hate it and you're still poor, you know, find joy somewhere else. But you can, there, there, take time to slow down and find some joy. Okay, that one's pretty easy, right? That's a little bit of work, but we can find some joy in that. Here's another place that's pretty hard to find joy. It's that verse 58. It's when uh, Elizabeth has her baby, and it says, Her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. Here's a place where you can find more joy more often than anything else. If you can find joy in others, you can have joy much more often. I say it this way all the time. Uh, If you can be happy for others, you can be happy much more often. If you can be happy for others, you can be happy much more often. This is a great place that God gave us to find some joy. What do you do when you hear somebody's pregnant and it's not their first and it's not, you know, your granddaughter, right, or or your grandson or something like that? You know what you say? Uh, Here's what I hear a lot of people say. You know she's having another one, and they can't even deal with the one they got. And instead of being happy for people that are having children, we just look for ways to talk bad about it. Um, You know what a lot of moms think? Forgive me if I'm wrong here. I think some moms think. They just sort of think in their own mind, I can't believe they're pregnant. We've been trying to get pregnant, and I wanted to get pregnant first. I hope they're having a boy so we can have the first girl, you know? And all kind of ways that we can sort of steal the joy and be happy for ourselves. But not just in that realm, right? Men, we do the same thing. Somebody gets the job you wanted. Are you genuinely like, you know what, good for him. He deserves that. He's probably more qualified than me anyway. I'm really excited and really happy that he's doing better than me. We don't feel that way. Man, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty bummed, you know, if somebody gets a job, especially if I feel like I'm more qualified than they are. Then I'm just pretty mad about it. And it's pretty hard to be, to be excited for someone else and find some joy in it when all I can think about is how it didn't serve me well. Um, teenagers, preteens, right? Uh, not many of those in here, but how about before you get married? What happens when, when the, the guy or, or the girl you like uh, ask out your best friend? 
I think that was on this, this show I was watching, this Lifetime movie I was watching. That's why it's on my mind. Um, man, what happens? You know what I hear? I work with high school students. And let me tell you what. No high school student ever is filled with joy when the person they like uh, asks out their best friend. Nobody's ever filled with joy about it, if you can believe that. And the idea of being happy for something good happening to someone else is totally gone. But if we can be happy for others, we can be happy much more often. How do you find joy in the good that happens to others? Here's the only thing you've got to do. You've got to stop thinking about what you didn't get. You can find joy in the good that happens to others if you can stop thinking about what you didn't get. Consider what they got. Consider the good that is there for them and stop thinking about what you didn't get. Uh, one year there was a Christmas visitor, a guy tells his story. Um, there was a Christmas afternoon service. There was this little five-year-old boy, and somebody asked him at the service, they said, hey, did you get everything you wanted for Christmas? And the little boy stops and thinks for a minute, and then he says, no, but it's okay, it wasn't my birthday anyway. And there's this idea, if we could begin to realize that it's not all about me, it's not always my birthday. It's not always my event. All the good is not supposed to come to me all the time. Then we can begin to find some joy in what happens for others. But here we go. Last piece here. And I know all the kids are they're, they're dying for this part here, okay? So I'm glad you guys are in here. Um, let me pull you in here. Lean in and hear what I'm saying. The biggest place where you and I can find joy, we can find circumstantial joy, we can find joy in things that happen to us, we can find joy in things that happen to others, but the greatest way to find joy, and the greatest way, the only way to find joy for eternity, comes in following Christ. And it's really clear here in this passage. The only way to find joy for eternity is in Christ. Chapter 2, verse 9, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. What is that great news? The great news is that today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. Somebody who's going to save you from your sin. He is Messiah the Lord. Find joy in what God has done for you. The greatest joy in existence comes in being a Jesus follower and actively seeking Him. That's the greatest joy in the world. You know when I get the most dissatisfied? I get the most dissatisfied when I start looking around. You guys know, you've been to my house, you know I have blue countertops? You know anybody else with blue countertops? Raise your hand if you got blue countertops. i got one blue countertop right here. You know why we didn't all raise our hands? Because blue countertops aren't popular anymore. Right? If nobody got blue countertops last year, okay? Like I've had them for a long time. And I'd love to get new countertops. And I start looking around at my blue countertops and I start looking at my, I got blue tile too. Anybody got blue tile? Got you all smoked? I got blue tile. Man, and, and I start looking at my blue tile and I'm like, man, I want something else. And then when I look at my, and I'm like, man, if I get nice countertops and new floor, you know what's going to look bad? The cabinets. And now all of a sudden, we've got to start getting everything new because I just keep looking around. But then you know what happens sometimes? Sometimes I get to uh, share the news of Jesus with somebody, and they say yes to him, and they change their eternity, and all of a sudden, I don't care about what my countertops look like anymore. It's just not really on my brain. And when I stop looking around at those things, and I begin to get real serious about following Jesus, it just doesn't matter to me anymore. And it doesn't mean I'm never going to get new countertops. Uh, I mean, old things wear out. They have to be replaced. But the reality is, I don't lose joy until I get them. 
And it doesn't bring me sorrow that I don't have it. And when I put my focus on Christ and I realize that I'm living for something bigger, man, I find so much more joy than when I actually get the new countertops. My ultimate joy, the ultimate joy, is found in what brings Christ joy. Try it out. Any guys getting dissatisfied with your car? You looking looking at new cars, and, and you've had yours for a long time. Um, you know, sometimes you have to get a new car, right? It's necessary, and no knock on that. I'm going to have to do it in like ten more years. Um, man, sometimes you got to do it. But try this: you're getting dissatisfied with your car. Load it up full of supplies and go to some area, Houston, California, somewhere in Florida, where they're having a natural disaster. Load it full of supplies and go there and start handing those things out. Find some avenue to do that. And, and when you get there, start handing them out and, and tell people that Jesus loves them and tell them that he, that he came to, to die for their sin and, and let them know about all those great things. And here's what's going to happen. You're not going to care about your old car so much. And you're going to think about it a little differently. And it's not going to cause you to lack joy because you drive that old car. Man, when we begin to focus on Jesus, our joy is just exponentially higher. Adam and Eve... They lost sight of the work that God called them to do, and now all they could think about was what they didn't have. And they lost sight of the things that God called them to be about, and now all they could think about is the one thing in the world that they couldn't have. And it was an apple. I mean, it wasn't even something incredible, but it's all they could think about. I would say to you, if you want to find the greatest joy in the world, become a Jesus follower. If you haven't already done it, say yes to Jesus. Jesus, you are the Savior, and I want to follow you. And find the greatest joy in the world. And after you do that, begin to dwell on Him. And look, it sounds cliche and common, um, but, but begin to dwell on Him by reading your Bible. Man, there's so much richness in there. Just begin to dig into your Bible. Spend some time in prayer. You know, I got on, on my phone, I have a little note on, on my notes app. I have a, a thing that's titled prayer. And I just got things in there that I'm going to pray for every day and every week. And it makes it really easy for me. And if I wake up late and I don't have time in the morning, I do it at lunch. And you know, man, it just changes the, the course of my day when I've prayed for someone and then they get on my nerves later. And, and now I've prayed for them. And so I have this perspective that says, I want good things for you. I prayed for good things to happen to you this morning. So am I going to pray for good things to happen to you and then be the one that, that does something bad to you? No, it's going to change my whole outlook. Man, begin to read your Bible. Begin to spend some time in prayer and get busy serving Christ and get busy sharing the gospel. Man, I don't emphasize that near enough. I don't emphasize it in my own life. But you want to do the greatest good that you can do for anyone? Tell them that Jesus loves them and that he died for them and he loved to be their Savior. You want to do the greatest good you could do for anybody? Begin to do that. And you want to know the greatest joy you could ever know? Tell your, your son or your daughter or, or your friend at work that Jesus loves them and he died for them and he loved to save them and have them say yes to that. And you will not know a greater joy than that. And begin to follow Jesus and find the greatest, the only joy that's sustainable for a lifetime, find the greatest joy you could ever find. Let me pray. God, I praise you for that last point. I praise you for Luke chapter 2 that tells me that the greatest joy I could ever find is in you. And I thank you, Jesus, that you came and that you were born and we celebrated this Christmas season. That, and then you, you died and you rose again so that we might have the greatest joy ever. 
so that we could be happy now, really and truly, deeply happy, and happy for eternity. I thank you for that reality. I pray that, that we would be people that would be all about sharing that truth and not just finding great joy for ourselves and sharing that, but introducing people to the greatest joy ever known. I pray that we'd be people that do that. I pray that there are people here today that have been in church for a long, long time or maybe not in church for a long time and just haven't really considered much the idea of saying, Jesus, you are the Savior and I follow you. God, I pray that that you would just pull at their heart in such a way that whatever stands between them and you wouldn't be able to stand there anymore. The pull would be too great and they would just say yes to you. And I praise you, God, that every time someone does that, that that happens, that all the Scripture says all of heaven rejoices. How incredible. All of heaven rejoices. And you honor that every time, and I thank you for that. As we continue to sing, God, may you just put on our, on our minds, may you put on our hearts, God, the way that you call us to respond to you. And may we be faithful to do that right now. Amen. Let's stand as we sing our, our final.